Hello, hello, hello. My name is Adam Jabber, and this is the Out of Bounds Podcast. We have an excellent episode for you today with Jeremy McGee, done at the Sierra Nevada Brewery in North Carolina in person. Uh, if you're interested in watching the YouTube, there is a full YouTube version of this interview and our sit down from the factory. Uh, it's really cool. The place is incredible. We're going to have a whole video coming out uh, on the whole trip on North Carolina and on the, the brewery tour. So a lot of cool stuff going on there. Really hyped to have gotten the opportunity to go down there and spend some time and ride bikes with Jeremy. So uh, I really enjoyed this conversation. We got pretty deep on some stuff and I'm interested to hear what people think of this one. I think, uh, yeah, it, Joe said it's one of his favorite. I mean, look, Joe listens and edits to all these episodes. He said it's one of his favorites that we've ever put out sure it's because he was sitting in the room when we did it but it was great before we jump into the episode we have partners if you are looking for a beer sierra nevada is your beer all kinds of stuff the hazy ipa hazy little thing is obviously a top-notch product i really like the traditional um, and i also really like the hop splash which is the non-alcoholic version of a sierra nevada product Kind of has a beery taste, has hops and amarillo in it, but it's, uh, yeah, it's it's really good. It's light, zero calories, zero sugar, zero alcohol, zero anything. Uh, so if you're interested in that, please go to SierraNevada.com. And if you're looking for any Sierra Nevada product, please check out SierraNevada.com or find your local package store and get yourself some if you're over 21 years of age. Next, we have our friends at Darn Tough. Darn Tough makes the best socks, as you probably know already. If you don't know, you should know. Darn Tough makes literally socks that you can spend two months in straight and never have to wash them. Uh, I wouldn't recommend you doing this, but I did it, and my feet are fine. I didn't even have like any weird athlete's foot, any fungus, any anything. Like It crushed. So uh, if you're looking for a new lightweight hiking sock midweight hiking sock, a running sock, a cycling sock, darntuff.com has all the goods. So go get yourself some new socks made in Vermont. The stuff is awesome. Darntuff.com. All right, we're rolling into our episode with Jeremy McGee. I hope you enjoy it. Please let me know what you think and uh, be sure to check out Care Less Do More on Tuesdays, which is back now, and check out The Pursuit on Wednesdays. All right, we're rolling. Jeremy, tell people who you are, a little bit about yourself, and then we can kind of take it from there. Who am I? <laughs> yeah, philosophically. <laughs> I am a blind worm crawling on my belly. <laughs> That's what I am. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. I, uh, I guess I'm a pro athlete. That just kind of happened. Yeah. Um, originally from San Diego. Okay. Um, living part-time in Bentonville, Arkansas. Okay. Working as a consultant. Okay. Um, there, um, and an adventure seeker. Okay. Lover of people. Okay, that's a big ask. <laughs> that last part is probably the hardest bit out of everything for me, at least. You're right. I've been working on it. I actually kind of had, uh, in so many words, kind of have lost my faith in humanity for a while. Yeah. Things are weird. Yeah. And I've really been focusing on the good and how creative and cool people are yeah. and focusing more on that. Okay. Yeah. 
How, what, what made you start losing faith in some of humanity? I mean, it's tough. We're not going to focus just on the negative here. We're going to focus <laughs> on some of the positive. But it, it's, I, I think a lot of people felt the last, like, the last three years kind of felt the same way. That's exactly it. I mean, yeah. uh, I think I have a propensity to be a, a glass half empty type person. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it takes work for me yeah. to look at the other side. And so, yeah, everything, you know, and then... You know, just just witnessing the just the evil that we're all capable of, yeah, and all the division and all the hate and all the polarization, which is just insanity to me. Um, but we're all equally evil and equally good at the same time, riding this razor's edge. And just if I'm gonna be a realist, you know, you see both sides. You know, yeah, I feel like that word has gotten a lot of. It's almost. It's a very complicated word, sometimes, being a realist, right? I feel mm-hmm. like people hear it and they go, oh, that person's negative. Exactly. Right? Yeah. And it's not always the case. It's very much, I, I try to consider myself a realist as much as possible, but I, a lot of times it just comes off as negative because so much of it is trying to find the good as opposed to just naturally seeing the good. And I think that's, it, it's a difficult thing for me sometimes. Yeah. And if you're going to consider, you know, whatever outcome for whatever situation and you say you're realist that the implication is that you're you're understanding how it could go wrong right but it could equally go right yeah and so so you're exactly right how how did you end up in the position that you're in you're an athlete you've made a career out of this to this point you're consulting you're doing all kinds of shit so where did you see this going the way that it's going right now like what when you were Go back to 18-year-old Jeremy, right? Like, were you planning on doing this kind of thing? I didn't know my face from my ass when yeah. I was 18, bro. <laughs> oh, and I say that truthfully. Um, you know, I didn't really have any parenting yeah. growing up. So I have had to learn, you know, I wasn't provided any tools from my parents. And so I've had to learn kind of how to be a, you know, a, a man with integrity, like, later in life, you know, yep. on my own. Yeah. Um, super immature. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so 18 year old Jeremy, I, I mean, I feel like I've just been a, a kind of a ping pong ball, mm. you know, without having parents that could help me understand, you know, what I'm good at, Yeah. you know, and maybe pursue a direction. I've just kind of been a product of my environments mm. and bouncing around. It's been a really fun life. I'll yeah. tell you that. Um, and I, I've lived hard, yeah. And, uh, you know, seen a lot of things and experienced a lot of things. So I wouldn't give that up ever. Yeah. Um, but it's kind of taken me. That's why I'm like a 46 year old yeah, <laughs> pro yeah, yeah. athlete. You know, I didn't kind of realize that that was the direction I should go in until kind of later in life. And how did I end up here? Man, um, it has been like a sequence of crazy events, you know. Um, I was in a motorcycle accident in 2001 and paralyzed from that. Almost didn't live through it, so that's that's a whole crazy experience in and of itself. Before that, I was um, working as a lifeguard, waiting yeah. tables at a really cool restaurant, and uh, you know, snowboarding as much as possible, surfing as much as possible. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do, even you know, you know, even in, into my mid 20s. Yeah. Um, I was considering most likely going to become a career lifeguard. That's kind of the direction I was going. 
and uh, then I got my wreck, and then since then, the way things happened, you know, I ended up uh, moving to Mammoth okay. um, because I thought I wanted to pursue skiing, mm-hmm. um, and then living in Mammoth, you know, everyone mountain bikes yeah. in the summer. It becomes a bike park, and everybody rides. Yeah. So I started, I, I got an adaptive bike for the first time in 2007. Yep. And then have been through several different bikes. Like the evolution of adaptive bikes since then has been crazy. And then all the different bikes I've had, they're so different and so cool. Um, I, you know, I ended up, you know, getting way out in the backcountry and stuff on these bikes and going on adventures and getting stuck. Yeah. And getting into some really precarious situations. Um, I've even been helicoptered out. Really? Before, yeah. Yeah, just bad. Just what bad. happened there? <laughs> I was actually in my home canyon in San Diego. Canyon I grew up exploring as a kid. I know it really, really well. Um, and I was, you know, it's always this decision. If there's a, a new trail for me, am I going to go down it or not? Mm-hmm. And I was just kind of in an adventurous mood. I actually think I was angry. And I was, I was like, kind of F it. I'm yeah, just going yeah, yeah. to go down this trail and care what happens. Um and it ended up in a no trail. Like basically the trail just ended and I ended up like upside down in this Creek bed and imagine being a paraplegic. Yeah. Like getting this big bike out of this Creek bed, you know, like when you lift something, like you've got your feet on the ground, you've got base, right? Right. Well, for me, like sitting in my chair right now, I can feel the back of my chair, you know, Mm -hmm. but if I lean forward, and I raise my hands like I can't feel anything I'm touching. Mm. I'm kind of floating in the air is what it feels like. Yeah. And there's no base. It's so bizarre. So imagine like trying to lift and move something heavy. Yeah. And so I'd get the bike. I would get the bike out and kind of get drag it to a clearing. My pants are coming off because I'm scooting on the ground, you know, and uh, trying to keep my pants on. And I get to get it to a clearing, yeah. get back on it fall back over because it keeps getting pulled, you know, right. into the creek and fall back over, get it to a clearing. And it was about, I want to say like two and a half hours of fighting, what? bushwhacking, <laughs> paraplegic bushwhacking with this huge big thing, you know, two and a half hours. It was 94 degrees. Oh, I, I fall over again and I end up uh, upside down in a cactus full of black widows with my <laughs> chain broken. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, I'm done. Like I am dehydrated. I need water. Um, this has been two and a half hours and I, I made the call Dude. <laughs> and I got helicoptered out. That's fucking crazy. And you were by yourself. I was by myself. Holy yeah. shit. So that's a pretty extreme situation. And I got endless stories of things like that happening. I yeah. got stuck in a flash flood one time. that was that was crazy um so you know i'm having these experiences and i'm online researching like okay what trails can i ride safely yeah and i just um, was coming up empty-handed yeah and then i called up trail forks i'm like hey what do you guys think about you know documenting this information and they were all in so we developed a you know a very simplified rating system okay that is now being accepted. Trail Forks implemented it, and it's now being accepted you okay. know, more and more around the world. So that's pretty fun to be a part of. 
And then I just started documenting my trail experiences, mm. uh, making videos. Okay. And then in that, my name kind of got out there, I guess, as quote unquote expert, trail yeah. expert. Um, and I start getting con consulting gigs. Yeah. And it's just kind of gone from there. On how to make things like more accessible for adaptive athletes or what? Like, tell me yeah. about what that process is like. It's a very involved, complex process, actually. Um, one, I'm not riding trails as myself. I'm, when I when I'm performing an, an audit or an assessment on a trail network, I'm I'm riding as the average rider, the the mean, right? Because everything's got to be based on a curve, yeah. You know, uh, because the the gamut of the adaptive rider spectrum is extremely broad, yeah. Um, and so, one having a grasp of that of all the equipment, you know, the gamut of disabilities. You know, mm -hmm. things like that is really important. And with all that information in mind, riding as a rider, that's, you know, not me. Yeah. You know, so, and then also bi-directionally, you know, it's, it's a really interesting process. And then the, the major goal usually with an assessment, a trail assessment, is to identify what I call the low-hanging fruit. Yep. Usually, there's just a couple spots that will stop in a depth. Trails are all good, except for maybe a pinch point or something like mm -hmm. that, you know? So identifying that stuff. Okay. And therefore, you know, opening up the m maximum amount of mileage with the least amount of work. Yeah. And never being irresponsible from, you know, an ir uh, the, not only um, an environmental standpoint, but also from a trail experience and the goals of a trail standpoint. Yeah. You know, we never want to change the nature and experience of a trail. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting. That's one of the things, like, I do a bunch of ski testing, a bunch of bike testing, and w everybody thinks that what makes a good tester is being good at the sport, like mm -hmm. being really good, but what makes a good tester is being able to go, okay, this person that's buying a 399 ski is skiing different than somebody who's buying a $1,000 ski, right? Most of the time, that person is less experienced. They're looking for something to make their life easier, and the performance is totally different. So I think taking that kind of thing into account is what makes a good tester a lot of times, right? Like, especially if you're going to be a broad tester and you want to kind of test all kinds of different stuff. So I imagine some of that is is the same. It's just, it's one of the most 100%. difficult things to do is, is put yourself in somebody else's shoes that 100%. is not you. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Oh, my God, that reminds me. Um, when I was living in Mammoth, I was doing teaching skiing a lot. Mm -hmm. And we had basically the, the best sit skier to ever live, like come teach us how to be teachers. Yeah. You know, this guy, and this guy is insane. Um, so we're on the beginner run. I've got these, I got this, I'm in my sit ski. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got a big old fat ski on, of course, you know, and we're on the beginner run learning how to do like beginner demos mm -hmm. of the like beginner, like rotary turns. Yeah. Yeah. And so here I am, like, trying to keep this big old fat ski flat. <laughs> and I was like, oh, my God, it's taking all my arm strength. And I'm, just, I'm really struggling yeah. to do a beginner turn, mm. you know? And um, this guy, <laughs> skis, he's in a sit ski. Yeah. Skis past me, spins around, is skiing switch <laughs> in front of me. He's not paying attention to his skiing at all. He's... He's yeah. instructing me. He's like, okay, Jeremy, like, try to, and he's talking with his hands. Mm. Like his outriggers are up off the snow. Yeah. You've seen out, you know, Sitski's yeah, have yeah, outriggers. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. skiing switch in the Sitski without his outriggers and not even thinking about it. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> that was insane. It's crazy to see like how much the perception of what 
an athlete can do, whether it's a paraplegic athlete or somebody that's using some kind of adaptive equipment, like over the last five, six, seven years, I think a lot of people have brought, like yourself, have brought a little more attention to that and been like, okay, we want to do stuff, right? So what what's going to make that more accessible? What's going to make the gear better? How do we implement stuff and, and pay attention to it more? And I think the mass media and the outdoors has started to care a lot more about it too. And I mean, there's obviously like, uh, Trevor Kinnison is a good example, right? It's like that guy's he's insane. Looking, he's an insane person, and I think it's just that he's nuts. Like I genuinely think he's just an insane. He's young. He's young. <laughs> he's an insane person, and he just sometimes I think he doesn't give a shit, right? But what he's doing in a lot of ways is pushing the boundaries of what people are aware is possible, you know, in this kind of category of life. So it's it's oh, insane to watch. He's insane to watch. I don't think anyone will ever send it. Ever, yeah, it'll be a long time before there's anybody that can touch what he's doing. Yeah, he's pretty. Yeah, not only is he insane, but he's an extremely talented athlete. And you combine those things, and yeah, it's <laughs> on to the next level. What What has changed for you, like throughout this process? Right, like it's not you haven't always been in the same position. So what? How have you adapted what you do to make the experience better over the past, I don't know, say the last 10 years? Like, what has changed in the gear that you use, oh, yeah. in the way that you approach things? That's that's kind of what I'm curious about, right? Because everybody's so focused on what gear has changed for the masses, right? Like, well, okay, skis change year to year, bikes change year to year, and there's all this progression. You mentioned to me, like, about the bike being way better than it was when you first started, yeah, right? Man. So what, what has changed for you? What things are, are you enjoying that you've seen improve over the past it, is, it has changed a ton. Well, as far as my involvement, um, I work with a specific manufacturer out of Poland. Okay. And over the years, basically, I've broken the bike, and then they make it so it doesn't break that way anymore. It's kind of, you know, and I've had some requests over the years, like, hey, it'd be really cool with this, or maybe we could strengthen this part of it, you know. And it's been really cool. Incrementally, over time, those, all that has added up. Mm-hmm. With this bike specific that I ride, that has been a cool process to be a part of. Yeah. But overall, um, my first bike that I got in 2007, mm-hmm. really cool bike, could climb anything, mm-hmm. really. Um, fully rigid, though. Okay. Yeah, and 20-inch wheels, right. you know. Um, and I was taking that bike in the bike park yep. and just getting jarred. <laughs> so I sold that, and bought one of those four wheel downhill adaptive bikes. Have you seen those? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're gravity only, yep. no drivetrain, um, <laughs> but just land spider, just crazy yeah, suspension. Yeah. And I've never sent it bigger in my life than, than when I had that thing. Uh, I'm actually starting with my progression now, like starting to go yeah. bigger than I used to then. But yeah. that bike was insane. Yeah. So that's what it used to be. It used to be either or. Either fully rigid bike that you could go explore on mm-hmm. and no power assist either then. Yeah. You know, and their hub motors were kind of like just coming in then or like just gravity only pretty much relegated to the bike park, mm-hmm. you know? And then this bike that I'm on back then, uh, I want to say it came out in like 2010 ish was the first bike with both drivetrain and full suspension. And I saw it and I'm like, that is it. Yeah. So. I was showing Pat earlier. Like, it's it's bonkers to look at this thing. Like, the engineering that goes into it, 
you know, two shocks, like, running in the front of that thing. Like, yeah. it's bonkers to look at. Like, in the engineering that goes into making something like that work has to be, <laughs> like, so much it's involvement, insane. so much work, and so much, like, paying attention to the athletes and what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. So that's, 100%. that's a thing that I'm, I'm always, like, I'm a gear nerd. Like, I really like to see what, what's changing, what tech is going to be different, what's making, what's making the process easier. Because I think for a lot, like, gear across the board, the goal is to offer a better experience, I think, product to product. It's like, yeah, some of this stuff is just cool for yeah. the sake of being cool. But I think good gear offers a slightly more improved experience for whatever the person is doing from year to year. I wouldn't even say slight. Yeah, it's like, significant for you. Very significant. Yeah. Yeah. Like to be able to trust your equipment is a big deal. Yeah. Like when I was breaking it all the time and not trusting the equipment, I was very tentative with yeah. it, you know, and now I'm able to trust it more and more. Right. And that's a big deal when you're riding hard. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And then the introduction of the power assist yeah. was another big step. Yeah. Now it kind of, I call it my equalizer. Yeah. You know, a lot of adaptive riders like, power up their power assist and they're going like, you know, e-bike or e-adventure speed. Mm-hmm. I keep my power assist powered way down. So it's just enough so I could, you know, pace with you. Yeah. You know, it's, it's changed the experience big time. Yeah. It's funny. I used to be like a lot of people, I think five, six years ago, I was a e-bike hater and I was like, what's the point? Just pedal harder. And then like I had Roy Tuscany on, who's a good friend. And yeah, I know Roy. He was like explaining to me, like, let, let me come on and talk about it. Like, let me explain to you what doors this opens up for other people. Awesome. And even, if, and it was like completely eye-opening. And now like I have an e-bike, I'm like, okay, this is right. I understand the purpose and the place, but it almost took somebody like Roy to come and explain to me what the benefit is, not just for him and adaptive athletes, but for the general public and how it like improves someone's experience that couldn't otherwise do it. And now I'm looking at these people, like, you know, I run a ski and bike shop and you see people coming in with these e-bikes that are having the best time ever that were never able to have that experience and like otherwise wouldn't be doing anything. I love right? it. And it's changed, it's changed everything for them. It's, it's the future. It's, it's here to stay totally. and it's only going to get better and cooler. Yeah. You're not even gonna be able to tell the difference. Someday. Some of these things now are like, like even the road, like road bikes, we were just looking at road bikes and sea otter. You can't even tell like some of those new Scots and Pinarellos. You, you don't even know. Wait, there, there's power assist road bikes. Mm-hmm. Oh, dude, they're fucking bonkers. Something I don't even know about 30 pounds, like super lightweight, like, and literally like if you looked at someone riding that thing, on a truck, you would have no clue that it was an e-bike. That's amazing. Everything's dialed in, like everything, like battery is like kind of like hidden into the frame. It's clean. Like that is what is going to make it more exciting, I think, for people that just have regular road bikes and want to get into something but are kind of afraid of e-bikes still and afraid of the idea of e-bikes. Mm-hmm. It's going to it's gonna change the way that they go and purchase their next bike because they're going to make it a consideration because it changes, it, it changes what you can do. It opens up a lot. Totally. Like all my... Um my friends in Mammoth, yeah, they all rip. They're some. They're the yeah. best riders I know. Yeah, and they all have e-bikes. Yeah, we don't. We just forego the gondola and climb the service roads now. And yeah, it's you can just yeah. do more. And yeah. I had another friend like because I was still thinking about it a year or two ago. And I was like, I don't really need one. And this dude that I ride with, that's fucking insane. It, like he's so good at riding a bike. He got one. He was like, Look, dude, this is the difference. I instead of doing a 15 mile ride, I could do a 40 mile ride. And now I'm like not as tired. I'm ripping the same stuff and I get to do it multiple. So I'm literally just having more fun. 
and I'm still just as tired. Like I'm beating the shit out of myself because I'm doing more. I have to, to get just as tired. I have to really, I have to stay very present Yeah. because you can kind of kick, kick back and let the motor get you up to speed and, yeah. and rely on the motor a little more or less. Yeah. And so for me, it's taken work, um, to really understand what it feels like to stay ahead of the motor, <laughs> which I try to do most of the time. Yeah. And, uh, if I'm doing that and I'm paying attention, then I'm getting my heart rate in the red. Yeah. Um, but I can. But if I'm not paying attention and be, maybe being a little lazy, yeah. then my heart rate doesn't get it as high as normal. Mm-hmm. If I did not have it, does that, yeah, that make sense? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Is there something now? Say you look at your bike, Justice. Is that the name of your bike? So you just called it. No. What did you <laughs> say? I don't even. I don't even know what you just said. You just <laughs> called it something. Um, I don't even know. What. What do you want to improve in that product now? My bike's name is Blue Angel, by the way. Blue Angel. I thought you just called it Justice. <laughs> Blue Angel is not what I was expecting. I don't know what I said. This sounded like Justice, but her name is Blue Angel. Blue Angel. Okay, <laughs> so if you want to get Blue Angel up to whatever that next level is, like, what would you like to see for improvements at this point? That's a great question. Um, I think the next step is angulation. Okay. Um, there's a bike out there that does angulate now. Mm-hmm. The Bowhead, that bike. Um and uh, that's kind of like the, the the latest and greatest technology and the bike that everybody wants. Yeah. Um, there's pros and cons to everything. Um, yeah. And there's you know there's benefits to my bike as well. It's got a lot more clearance, a lot more suspension. Um, it's got a dedicated handlebar. Okay. And a hand crank. Okay. So there's a benefit there. Um, and I really like being in the more um, forward position. Mm-hmm. I feel like I can project in the fall line. Yep. And be a little more aggressive with my body. Okay. Um, my body can take more stuff, you know, the dynamic suspension of your body. I'm actually getting some of that being up in that position rather than seated. So all that to say there are benefits of, of pros and cons to both, but the next step with the style of bike that I ride is one that's able to angulate. Okay. That's uh, be able to accommodate off camber. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that you see as like a, a limitation of what the bike can do. hundred percent. That's the biggest limitation. Okay. Yeah. Like it's, it's funny, like usually stuff that's black or blue is kind of reversed Yep. because fall line, I'm good. Yep. Like point me downhill. Like I got, I've got clearance. I've got suspension. I've got a skid plate. I can roll over rock faces. I can take the fall line, but once trails, you know, to reduce the amount of descent, Mm -hmm. you know, that will traverse. And when trails traverse, that's when you get exposure mm-hmm. and off camber, and that's the nemesis of my bike. Okay. Yeah. Let's kind of switch gears a little bit here and talk about something else that you enjoy a lot in surfing. What What does your setup look like for surfing? Why do you enjoy it so much? Like, talk to me a little bit about that. Um, well, my setup for surfing, I surf in a board called a wave ski. Okay. Um, it, to anybody, it just it looks like a, a surf kayak, basically. Okay. But if you flip it upside down and look at it, it it's it's a shortboard. Okay. You know, um, and man, my first one was this huge boat. <laughs> I want to say it was ten six, if I remember correctly. It's either nine six or ten six. Either way, big and yep. huge and thick. And now my board now is seven six, which still sounds big, you yep. know, compared to you know regular little paper chip surfboards. But if you look at it, it it looks really small. Yeah. And, uh, it has, you know, it even has like a step rail. So it's like a true rail all the way around now. And it's just, it's just a beautiful, um, 
it looks like a piece of art to me. Mm. Um, we shaped it on the computer for like over months. That's awesome. And the computer shaped it. Yeah, it's it's a cool thing. Yeah, and I have a, a quick release belt. Okay. So I'm strapped in, but it's quick release. So when I eat it, I just flip the belt and I when I and I eject. Yep. And I have a, a double bladed um, white water paddle. Okay. Cool. And what what is it about surfing that you still like enjoy that still draws you to something like that? And I think it's worth mentioning a lot of this stuff. It's more difficult now. Like you're taking extra steps. You know, at looking at any adaptive product, it's an extra step. So you have to be committed to going and like I really want to do this. This makes me happy. This is a thing that I, I get something out of. So what, do you, what are you getting out of surfing that you find is like, is so beneficial to you as a person? Oh man, that's a multi-layered question. Are, are you saying like there's more logistics and it's harder to do? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you're totally right. Yeah. It is because there's that sand thing. Yeah, <laughs> that's what <laughs> to I mean. To get there's across. There's more involved. There's an extra step. And the board doesn't have wheels. Like I can roll <laughs> my bike around on the ground. I can't yeah. move my yeah. board around, you know? And then, um, yeah, try sliding a limp foot through a wetsuit. That's a Dude. whole other thing. <laughs> Have you ever put a wetsuit on sitting down? I don't think I've put a wetsuit it's, on sitting down. Putting a wetsuit so on anyway is hard. Like I'm like I feel like <laughs> yeah. I'm breaking my arm to get into the yes, thing. Yes, exactly. Have you tried the um, the plastic bag trick? No. Put a plastic bag, like a shopping grocery bag, yeah. over your foot, and it'll slide right through. What? Yeah. <laughs> I never even thought about that. So just that. keep like a grocery bag in the car and for putting your wetsuit on. No shit. Okay. A little trick of the trade. Um, well, the uh, the question is, you know, what do you get out of surfing? Yeah. Um, and for me, that 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 question is two tiered. One, and kind of the basics for in general, not just surfing, but anything. The harder something is, the greater the level of satisfaction and appreciation and thankfulness on the other side. Yep. You know, um, you know, for me, surfing is like this just to surf for like an hour and a half is like a five, six hour ordeal. Yeah. You know, uh, with all the before and after and everything. Um, so I don't get to go as often. I got to, you know, text friends and get help. Yeah. And, um, we, you know, when I'm, when I'm sitting out there, you know, the way I verbalize this feeling, and I don't even know if this does it justice, you know, I'm not capable of any more thankfulness yeah. than the next guy next to me, but the guy next to me has the option of just grabbing his board and running across the tracks right. and catching a couple waves at sunset, you know, yeah. but with all the logistics and rigmarole to get out there, it's like, Oh yeah, I'm out here. Yeah. Finally, you know? Um, so there's that. Yeah. Um, the fact that it is hard makes it so great. Yep. Um, but surfing itself is just different than any other sport. Um, I think one, you know, we talk about having a relationship with nature um, and being on the trail. Mm -hmm. When you're in the ocean, you're like inside nature. It's, mm -hmm. You're completely girded by the water, you know, and all the negative ions and everything that's happening on a level that we don't really understand as a species yet um, is happening. Um, and then surfing is so hard because it requires understanding having a grasp of something that's constantly moving and changing and different, you know, mm. um, that you could easily, that can easily kill you, yeah. you know? Um, so having an understanding of the ocean is the biggest part. And I think that's, what's most satisfying for me yeah. is it tells you that, um, the fact that I can surf with only a fraction of my body working, but someone with their whole body working, 
that has no understanding of the ocean just you know there's it's it's a crazy endeavor you yeah. know um so i find a lot of satisfaction in, in that yep and just being able to you know growing up with the ocean and understanding it yeah and um having such a relationship with her yeah yeah does that make sense? That's it does. No, it totally makes sense because I think it, people have that connection with surfing in a way that doesn't apply to a lot of other things. And I don't, I'm still struggling to figure out what it is. And I told you this, like I'm a terrible surfer. I'm, I'm fucking horrible, but I like going out and just getting smashed for a few hours. Like it, it, the level of satisfaction that you get from something like that, that is difficult and that you're bad at and you're just, you're in the water. It's just a totally different compilation of things that goes into it that I think a lot of people can appreciate and if they haven't like it's it's worth doing you know what I mean like and there's so much more that goes into it like you got to go and first of all be in an area where there are waves one area where you can do it Mm -hmm. so it becomes this experience that is more there's more things that are like satisfying when you go out and you do the thing that that I think people really appreciate without even realizing that they appreciate it. Way out of their comfort zone. For sure. For most people. Yeah. I mean, that's satisfying to exit yeah. your comfort zone. Yeah. We're not fish. We're not seals. Like it's like a totally different thing. You're like, you're out there and you're doing this thing that for a lot of us doesn't feel natural. I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How often do you get to go? Not often. I'm in New England. Like it's difficult and like yeah. everything, it's cold always. And there's not a lot of waves. It's not a, so most of the surfing that I've ever done is on the West coast. It's the majority of when I get to go. And it's like such a treat for me that I look forward. If I'm going on a trip and I get to go surfing, that's the highlight of the trip for me always. No, ma- no matter what I'm doing, it's like that's a, a key highlight of whatever it ends up being. Like it's, it's awesome. How often do you get to the West Coast? Often now. Yeah, pretty often. you get often. to San Diego ever? No. Never. Got to get you down there. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> that's on the list for sure. It's There's just so much. Like, and we do, like, I don't know, we work a lot of winter events and what ends up happening to me is all winter I'll be like slammed and I'm home for, I think I wasn't home for more than a week at a time this whole winter from basically October to April. Like I was home for the max I was home Damn. was a week and not a single time longer than that. Just on projects? Projects and doing whatever, like going out there to do interviews or going out for a brand or this thing or that thing. And it's, it's like, I always feel terrible complaining about it. You know what I mean? Cause you're, like this is such a crazy opportunity that no one else gets to do it. My girlfriend like gives me shit sometimes cause she's like, she, you know, she works in a courthouse and she's like, you get to go and do whatever the fuck you want and like have a good time. And this is your job. So it's hard for me sometimes to find that appreciation and like fight myself for the negative of it. Like, because I'm like, mm-hmm. I'm tired. Like come, people asked me to go skiing like a few weeks ago and I'm like, I'm fucking done skiing. I'm done. I don't want to think about it anymore. I've like, I've had my fix. I'm smoked. That's why we drink so much caffeine. Yeah, exactly. You're like trying to make yourself get through this stuff. And it's, it's interesting to be in this, in this place now where I'm the things that I used to love doing so much, I still love doing, but I have to manage my energy and manage my commitment to these things in a different way because it's a job. Yeah. I think for, for me, like and I feel like maybe this is human nature. Like when we're in one, we want the other. For sure. Like when I'm on the road, I want to be home and have my routine. So bad. And when I'm at home and in my routine, <laughs> I want to be on the road. Yeah. You're you going know? stir crazy. Just yeah. sitting at home. So my work is to just remind myself that that will come. Yeah. I'll get home. Yeah. Or I'll, I'll get on the road, you know. And just to be present in either one instead of like looking forward to the next 
mm-hmm. thing, which is what I have a propensity to do. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. How's that? How are those BCAs treating Dude, you? It's you it good? actually is pretty good. Like I'm not gonna <laughs> lie, I'm not recommending that people mix this with hop splash, but it's actually. <laughs> so what did you do? You put mix BCAAs like yep. pre workout drink with your hop splash. It's called Rocket Pop. Rocket <laughs> Pop flavored. Rocket Hop. Rocket Hop. Oh, oh, <laughs> oh look at you, you branding mind going. So crazy. you did. So that turned out a little foamy when you did that. Yes. And you got. You got some of the foam on your mustache. I, am I still doing? I it? thought. Well, I thought maybe you had some gray at the tips, um, but, I'm but it's, still? it was the foam. That's it. <laughs> you just got it all. You got it all. I hope. I hope it's not showing up on camera. But I think. Oh, I, think I hope it okay. is. <laughs> that makes one of us. That's hilarious. Um, this is maybe a deeper, tougher question, but like, take take us back, kind of 2001. You get injured, and like, it changes your life, obviously, right? Yeah. How? how do you stay in the mental space and how do you manage where you're at emotionally with something like that to then go and decide, okay, I still want to be an athlete. I still want to go do these things yep. and it's still worth it to me, no matter how much extra work it is. Like I, I this is worth doing to me because I think people struggle like with any industry, like with any injury, never mind something completely life altering. People have a hard time getting out of those like darker spaces where they're like, I still, I want to do these things. Yeah. Um, that's a really good question. And, I used to answer that like, um, I'm still the same person, you yeah. know? And I've come to realize that that is not true. Yeah. I wish I could just, I, I, I wish I, w- I could say that. Um, but being close to death, you know, it's just, it's going to change you. Okay. Um, but I never really had the thought like, oh, I'm still going to do this. I'm still going to do that. It was always how do we figure this out? I, I, I don't recall ever making the decision to still do things. It wasn't a choice that was on the table. You just did it. Ever. I, I, I cannot, I've racked my brain. I've like gone back in time and tried to remember, you know, how that and put myself back there and try to remember my, my thought process. It was always, how do, how are we going to figure this out? Mm. Um, what I did do, um, that I, I did not know what I was doing at the time that, um, this was the he- a healing process. And I've realized it way later. I mean, we're talking over a decade later, what I would do, um, you know, like when I was originally like in the hospital, you know, alone at night and just devastated, mm-hmm. um, I would give myself 10 minutes to just ball my brains out. Yeah. And then I'd watch the clock and after 10 minutes, I'd call somebody. Yeah. And I, I realized later that that is like a, like a very practical tool for healing. Yeah. And at the time, I didn't understand what I was doing. Mm. But so that's something I did to yeah. help get through it. And then, you know, outside of that, it was just figuring it out. Yeah. Uh, you know, and a lot of that is just circumstantial. It's not right. like, okay, I need to do this to figure it out. It was just like, okay. I need to figure out how to go to the bathroom now, or I need to figure out how to um, put socks on. Yeah. <laughs> you know, there's no like, there's not really a choice there. You know. Yeah. Yeah. So it just kind of fell into the same category. We're like, this is part of my life. I still have to figure out how to do it the same way I do. As far as else. sports go. Yeah. It just, yeah, it just was the next step. It just happened. Yeah. So it was like I got out of the hospital. And I was like, I got to get in the water. Yeah. I got to get in the water and. 
it was a lot of relying on my friends, you know, yeah. like, hey, guys, let's get in the water. I got to. What did that support system like? Because it, it, you have to have that. Because people have to look at you like you're nuts sometimes, right? For doing any of the stuff, like mountain biking, right? Like people I guess. have to look at you like, I don't know. This dude is still, like, he's pushing, right? I, I don't know. Like, it's not, it's hard to look at it from my perspective, right? Where I'm just like, I have all the respect in the world because you're just, it, it's figuring it out and there's no other option. Like, that mindset is a, is a crazy thing to me because I think other people see obstacles and other people see solutions. Right. And it's just a totally okay. different thing. That's fair. You know I guess I mean? my only frame of reference is, you know, looking at someone like Trevor. Yeah. Um, and I think I see stuff he does and I'm like, no way. Yeah. No way ever would yeah. I ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, so maybe that's my only frame of reference. Yeah. You know, people that aren't necessarily, you know, adrenaline junkies or extreme athletes or whatever. That's more what I mean. Yeah. Or, you know, you know, and maybe just not as exposed to, you know, something like mountain biking yeah, and mountain biking at a high level, yeah, you know, and they see someone mountain biking at a high level and mm. there's like, no way. Yeah. I would never do that. That's insane. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I guess that's my only frame of reference, but yeah, I never think about myself being that guy. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. No, yeah, I'm just like <laughs> surviving. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's really interesting. Yeah. The, I want to kind of go back a little bit to what you said about like taking 10 minutes and just like bawling oh, yeah. your eyes out. Like that's, that's something that I think has been such a positive since COVID, for example, like people are willing to talk about that stuff way more and realizing that it's part of their process of healing and taking care of themselves and, and being able to just be open and realizing like everybody goes through shit and everybody has their own way of handling where their mental is at, you mm -hmm. know, like, so that's, have you felt the change in the way that like other people perceive that kind of thing? I think so. Yeah. Um, I, I kind of credit your generation for that. Um, and now that, um, you know, the older generation is kind of moving out now where, you know, stoicism was like the norm yeah. and the, the, the value right. that was important. Yeah. And now it seems like more, with the new generations coming in that, you know, they're, it, you know, being open and honest yeah. and genuine is, is the value yeah. now that is more important than, yeah. And, uh, yeah, like, you know, you look at, you know, maybe an older man and you talk, you bring up therapy and like, Oh, I don't want that therapy right. for pussies or right, whatever, right. you know, exactly. like that mentality. Yeah. Now therapy is really cool. It's and, awesome. You know, and uh, if you're not going to therapy, then it's like, ooh, it's not so cool. Yeah. You know, or like, you know, say, you know, if I'm, you know, on a date with a girl or whatever, and I and I bring up therapy, they're like, oh, really awesome. Yeah. yeah you know, yeah. and it's like, yeah. it's an attractive thing now is what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. It shows that you're comfortable in your own skin to a certain extent, and you're comfortable asking for help. Mm -hmm. And that's like, a, it's totally, it's funny, like when I, I was going through some stuff a couple of years ago and I'm looking at it and I'm like using my parents as a frame of reference. Like my dad is an immigrant, like he's super hardworking. I've only ever seen him work his ass off for his entire life. So I'm like eventually trying to like explain this to him and talk to him about this shit because I've never seen him mm. like acknowledge that or go through it. And he's like, yeah, dude, I go through it all the time. Like I was like, crying my eyes out like plenty of nights there's plenty of nights and I was like I just want to quit just want to never do anything I just want to disappear off the face of the earth but you would never know until people are starting to will like 
they're starting to talk about it. And that made me feel so much better about being able to go out there and be like, yeah, therapy's cool. Going to like talk about your emotions is really cool. And being comfortable that everybody else has that kind of stuff going on, it makes a huge difference, I think, to other people listening that have something going on and they feel like they can't get through it. I think that's that's been a huge beacon for for people to just get it and be like, okay, I'm not in this alone. I'm not in this that I, like, I don't have to just keep everything tight and close to the chest. Because I had taken after that. Like, I'm like, all right, I'm just going to work my ass off my entire life and I don't give a shit. Like, I'll, whatever. Everything else I can just put in the corner. And then at some point you break and you're like, you can't just do this forever. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think you just hit the nail on the head. Um, you know, and it comes out in little ways for me. Well, one, it seems like having it, you know, dealing with anxiety and depression is like, Kind of everybody. Yeah, for real. Because <laughs> I can't tell you how many times I'm like, oh, I have this thought. Oh, you know, the you know the, the conver- recent conversation that comes to mind. Um, I was talking with a friend of mine, and I was talking about like, man, whenever I do a podcast, whenever I leave a, any kind of conversation or event, I always have tons of anxiety about like everything I said. You know, like, oh my God, I must, I sounded, must have sounded pompous. I, you know, I sounded negative or, you know, all these starts, thoughts start racing through my head and I automatically think the worst. And my friend is like, oh my God, yeah, do the exact same thing. I can't tell you how many times that that happens. Right. And that's exactly, dude, (laughs) it's, it's way more common than we think. I, I think it's more common than not. Yeah. Like for someone to, you know, sure deal with anxiety and depression. I pretty much think the majority is, is what I'm finding out. I used to think that people that didn't have to deal with it or like didn't acknowledge it or whatever were lucky, you know? Like I used to think that those people were lucky, but I think the people that are dealing with it and get through it and figure out a way to manage it now, like looking at it after going through stuff myself, I, I'm like, no, those, the people that get through it and figure out ways to manage it are are the lucky ones, right? Because everybody goes through something at some point. I think having a healthy relationship with your own emotions and your own, even if it's depression, like depression sucks ass, but it's, it's part of like, you have to figure out a way to get through it. And it causes, at least for me, caused the level of being able to just figure it out. Like nothing seemed like it was out of the realm of possibility anymore because you go through something that's dark or difficult, whether it's an injury or mental or whatever, and you get through it, you're just like, okay, I can do whatever the fuck I want now. Like yeah. there's no more doors that are closed. hundred percent. But like depression sucks. Yeah. Yes. But, and this is a new thought I've just recently been <laughs> yeah. kind of digesting. Um, like, so I'll go through a few days of feeling depressed where yeah. I like barely leave the house for say like three days, you yeah. know? And then I'm like, and I finally get myself out on the trail. Yeah. And being on the trail that day after being depressed for three days is like, The level of joy is like exponentially greater. So yeah, depression sucks, but there's another side on the the other side of it is like, so I'm like, okay, maybe I should just like let myself feel depressed and, you know, fully allow myself to and fully engage with it because it is a a real and honest thing that happens, you know, um, for the purpose of, you know, not judging myself and for, you know, processing things and, you know, uh, going, having catharsis, experiencing catharsis, but also, um, (laughs) because that feeling of joy is so much greater, Mm -hmm. you know, just selfishly, just, you know, just cause and effect. Yeah. Um, I can have a much better time 
if I let myself be depressed. Does yeah. that make sense? Is that weird? I think it also, <laughs> it's a wider range of emotions that you're capable of, right? Like someone put it to me like that a long time ago. That makes I was sense. Never, I never got it, but it's like, it's not like it's any one thing. It's just now you're able to get the full range of what is available emotionally to you and or like expand that range. It's just a different, it's a different way to look at it. And that's like, a really like f practical way to, to yeah, put it. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's an interesting thought and I had never thought about it like that until somebody just put it to me like think about it like anything else it's like your your emotions have ranges and sometimes you're super angry sometimes you're super sad and it's like it, it's part of being human where you just you want to experience that whole range and i think it's it's part of it but the automatic reaction with well quote unquote negative emotions yeah depression yeah. um is to um put it off you know yeah. to you know to cover it up drugs alcohol whatever mm -hmm. with activity yeah you oh, know dude like I can, if I feel depressed, I'm like, Oh, I need to go ride. Yeah. And then I never face my depression, you know, cause I feel so much better when I go ride. Same thing. Yep. I'm not healed from that depression yeah. though. You know, in, in a lot of ways, yes. Having a relationship with nature and being active outdoors right. heals a lot. Yeah. Um, and can pull us out of a lot. But I think the initial reaction is to be afraid of it, put it off, cover it up, ignore it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I used to do the same thing. I'm like, I'm going to hammer it out of myself. That yeah. was my, like, I'm going to go on a hundred mile ride and I'm going to beat the shit out of myself until I don't feel anything. Right. And it's like <laughs> yeah. some people it's alcohol, some people it's drugs, some people it's beating the shit out of yourself. It's just, it's how people initially handle that experience. But that, yeah, that, that's a very positive outlet, outlet though, you know? It is. So like that's, I feel like that's a good thing because I do the same thing. Like I yeah. get so much satisfaction with destroying myself. Yeah, for sure. I'm just, oh my God, I just let <laughs> anger bubble up to the surface and Oh my you God. Feel better. It feels so good. And that's a great outlet. Um, yeah, definitely. So balance of that for sure. Yeah. I want to talk to you a little bit about the kind of switching completely on the other side of things, uh, the business aspect of what you do. But one of the first things before we jump into that is what has your relationship with nature changed since this is part of your job now? <sighs> yeah. Like, how so? Because I, I struggle with this a lot, right? Where I'm like, I, I'm going to ride my bike for myself. That's different than how I do for my job, right? Mm -hmm. And I'm paying attention to content and building this and photos and blah, 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 blah. It's so much, it's, it's different than how I used to look at it as a kid. It's like, I'm just going to do the thing. And that's why I'm doing it is to separate myself from everything else. So how, do you, how are you dealing with that now? That's a really damn good question. Um, I've actually never thought about it. And I'm just yeah. thinking about it for the first time since you've asked. Yeah. Um, I think my first thought is that's like any, any relationship, you know, if you've got a demanding job, yeah. then you have to really focus on, yeah. you know, cultivating your relationship with someone, you mm -hmm. know, if, and uh, yeah, when I'm out on the trail working, I'm not really communing with nature. That's not really, I mean, I am cause I'm out there, but that's not what I'm thinking about. I'm, mm -hmm. I mean, I'm focused. It's very detailed. I am really paying attention to the trail yeah. and, you know, measuring things and experimenting, sessioning sections and, um, taking notes and pictures and talking, you know, if I'm on trail with, with an actual builder, yeah. we're talking about, okay, here's our choices for this. And I got to take notes cause I'm gonna have to submit that in a very detailed report, you know, it's work. Yeah. 
it's really fun work and amazing. And I yeah. really, it's really satisfying, but no, yeah, I have to, um, take time to cultivate my relationship with nature, um, and go out separately. Yeah. You know, <laughs> you know, you laugh, we all laugh at the term tree hugger, Yeah. but I literally am a tree hugger. <laughs> I make sure, I swear to God, like I, I don't necessarily hug trees, but I touch them. Yeah. You know, and I make sure to take my gloves off mm. and put my hand on the ground. Yeah. And I, I, you know, after a couple seconds, you know, I'm like ready to go, but I, nope, 90 seconds. Yeah. I have to keep my hand on the dirt and even sometimes dig it into the dirt and hold mm. it there for 90 seconds or like put my hand on a tree or something, you yeah. know, and, um, and like make myself do those sorts of little things. Mm. Um, to cultivate that relationship and feel grounded is the thing. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a struggle constantly for me, but like lately I've kind of put it to myself where I'm like, I'm not taking my phone. Yes. going to just ride. I'm not bringing a camera. I'm not bringing anything. I'm just going to do it because I enjoy it. And that like for me, especially lately, cause I was, you know, you're doing this all the time and it's work and you're like, you want to build content. You want to build the brand. You're like, forcing everything so that it can be more, 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 right? Because you're feeding this machine, whether it's social media or sponsors or whatever. So now you try to separate it in a way that's like, this is just for me. Mm -hmm. And I think it changes, it's changed the way that I look at my job, right? Because now it's like I have the job part. And even though it's technically the same as just going for a ride, it's a totally different feeling. It's completely different. Yeah. yeah. It's changed. Yeah. It's changed a lot. Unplugging. I'm glad you said that is a big part of it. Yeah. That's why my sign off on my videos is, you know, now it's your turn. Yeah. Put your phone down and go get your hug from Mother Nature. Yeah. <laughs> um, I'm struggling with this thing. <laughs> the Apple Watch. Mm -hmm. I love this thing. This enables me to like do a bunch of stuff and everything. But it's, I'm a little too connected yeah. with it. And I've been taking it off a lot more. Yeah. Um, and for like days at a time. And I, I think I might. Yeah. Ditch. Just be wearing it for rides and stuff, you know? Yeah. Um, and not every day. It's, yeah. it's kind of too much. Yeah. Yeah, I thought about doing the Apple Watch thing, but then I'm like, I don't want to be connected. Like, I don't want... And I like phone for emergencies is great, and sometimes I'll just stick it in my pocket or, like, in my bag, and I'll mm -hmm. airplane mode and nothing on, and I'll just, like, discipline myself to not do it. And, like, I finally got, like, this smart watch to, like test and it's cool like it, it's really rad but it's nice because i don't if my phone's off or my phone's like on airplane mode or whatever i don't it doesn't do anything yeah negative. i need to There's put no it on silent more often yeah you just don't get the stuff and it, yeah. it keeps you separate from it because it's difficult technology is great because it allows so much more access communication mm -hmm. you can find more trails you can do more stuff but it's also like you're connected you're like now connected to the entire world mm -hmm. at the because I find myself pulling on my phone and just looking at, like, I'm scrolling Instagram at the trailhead. And I'm like, for what? Like, what am I doing? And it's it's interesting because that has become a really important maintenance thing for me. Because, like, I don't know, we're, I hate the word influencer, but, like, you're, you're doing this stuff that you're talking to an audience at all times, right? Mm -hmm. So everybody thinks, like, you're so attached to your phone. And really, like, I look at my phone like it's the fucking devil. Like it's the worst thing in the entire it's world to me. It's devil and God at the same time. Yeah, You know, sure. it's good and evil both, Yeah, you know? Because your friends, your family, your people, they want to know what you're doing. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And also, you inspire people to do 
you, what you're doing, you know, yeah. to have permission to do what you're doing and yeah. be stoked. and Yeah. Do it know? as a job. Right. Like, I think that's a thing. Yeah. That, a buddy of mine put it this way a long time ago. There was some shit going on. And he was like, he's defending these people that are kind of getting shit for like, it was like about PPP loans and COVID and like how as a athletes taking PPP loans, even though they're just a singular person as, as like a business, right? Like there was a bunch of shit about this for a while. And he put it as like, I, I'm, he's a photographer. He was like, I'm sick of people telling anyone else like what their job is allowed to be. Mm-hmm. It's like, I can do whatever I want. If I can get paid and I can make it a career and I want to do this, it's, that's my job. No one else gets to tell There's me. No otherwise. rules. Yeah. 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 Like we live in an era when you can, you can be your own boss and it doesn't take very much, like it takes a lot of effort, but you could decide to do that tomorrow and, and make it a career. It's like very opening. It's a very eye-opening thing for a lot of people. I love that. Yeah, you don't have to sit at a desk. Yeah, you don't have to do that. If you don't want to, eight to five. Yeah, if you don't want to. Don't do it. Yeah. Some people like it. Like some people like to have a job that they can just leave, and they can just five o'clock. They're done. No more. Like, there is beauty to that. There is for you sure. You clock out, and it's not a thought anymore. Like we don't, we yeah. don't have that with our jobs. I don't want that. Like for yeah. me, I've I've never looked at that. I understand why people like it, but I've never wanted that in my life. I've never. It feels restraining do you do you make sure to take time to like completely check out though i do and i'm better yeah. at it now but like a few years ago when i'm like i'm just gonna hustle the shit out of everything it's like that's what put me in a darker place because i was not willing to like stop i'm like because i've always had that like i said i watched my parents work super hard as a kid like and make something out of nothing and i was like how do i I have to keep pushing that envelope because that's what i did and then eventually i realized like i need that time to click out like I need to figure out a way to because otherwise important. I'm going to hate it you know like I'm going to go back and I'm going to do a 9 to 5 I respect the hustle man yeah the mm-hmm. hustle's great but it's also like being able to not do anything is, is great too so um, should we um, switch to beers that's yes that's where it's going to go <laughs> next um, I want a pale ale this is pale ale's become my favorite oh you're going Summerfest, huh mm-hmm. interesting that's right you're are you a lager guy mm-hmm. because you that the japanese lager style you big were like fan. really into that yeah big fan okay yeah i wish they'd oh. keep that forever but i should have opened that in the microphone because yeah. that's like the best sound <laughs> on the planet cheers cheers thanks sierra yeah um last thing i kind of want to ask you about because it's it's important to me it's people seem to take interest in this part of it a lot Talk to me about the business aspect of what you do, how you decide, okay, I'm going to charge X dollars for this. This is how I need to protect myself as an individual person mm-hmm. in my business. Mm-hmm. What, is that, what does that look like as, as you were figuring out how to monetize this kind of thing and how to figure out, like, I need to be able to support myself? Because I think we yeah. do all this stuff because we really enjoy it. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that gets a little murky where you're, yeah. you're trying to figure out how to make this thing that you love doing your job. Yeah. Um, well, I'm not a good businessman. I've learned. <laughs> uh, I'm an athlete and a salesman. Yeah. You know, that's the stuff I, I can do good at. So the business end of things has been a struggle for me. And um, luckily, I have a really good tax guy <laughs> that helps me, really helps me um, keep things organized. Um, but there are several aspects of the things I do. I don't just do consulting. 
Yeah. Um, I'm the U.S. dealer for those bikes. Mm -hmm. That's a big part. That's what I do every morning. I, yeah. I wake up, I grab my coffee, I go to the computer, and I perform the customer service and sales for, mm -hmm. for selling those bikes. I actually really enjoy that. Yeah. For some reason, I like putting invoices together. And, yeah. you know, and when I used to hate when someone had a problem. Like, <laughs> oh, but now I'm like, okay, how can I show them you know, how much I can help them, you know? And right. I've kind of just, just switched my mindset on that. So I actually really enjoy like solving customer issues and stuff. Mm -hmm. So there's that part of it and monetizing that it's a for-profit business. It's, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. Like, so there's no, you know, there's no formula to the monetization yeah, of that. that out, yeah. Um, I also do speaking, yep. um, which really just, um, COVID really hurt that. For sure. I was making a good chunk and doing really well with speaking before COVID. Mm -hmm. And then, I mean, I had probably close to like a hundred grand worth of events mm -hmm. scheduled yeah. for, for 2020, yeah. for 2019 cut completely. I lost a hundred grand first year of COVID <laughs> oh <my God. laughs> immediately. That's fucking crazy. Right <laughs> on the books, booked gigs, ready to go cut all gone. <laughs> all gone so that was kind of gnarly but luckily the bike industry took off yeah so and i just started selling a ton of bikes yeah and was fine yeah. you know it, it was not what i ever thought it you know it like my my income stream flip-flopped yeah and so um and then with the consulting um you know that's easily monetized too because um, project managers have budget yeah, and it's something that's expected. If you have a consultant, it's very expected and reasonable thing to pay your consultant. Mm -hmm. What's weird though, is a lot of people, project managers are sometimes, ah, not project managers per se, but in general, um, it's kind of expected if you're an adaptive writer that you work for free. Why? I, I don't, that's a good question. I don't know. I don't, I don't know. The that answer seems to, ridiculous to me as a professional. It does. Um, but I've kind of seen that, that I've come across that a lot. People call me and ask me, you know, for questions and because it's for benefiting people with disabilities, mm. that's therefore should be charity work. Yeah. Um, and my response to that is, Hey, look, this is very important work. I understand. I will do it for free. Mm -hmm. I will, um, if it doesn't cost me anything, you know, and if you're honest about your budget, yeah, you know, um, and that seems to get a pretty good. So I'll work on a sliding scale basically, you yeah. know, and so that, that's been, that's been, I've, I've done jobs for free. I'm like, okay, cover, you know, cover my expenses and let me make a video for my channel and um, let's have a group ride and let me collect email addresses. You know, let's find a way to, yeah. you know, monetize it indirectly in that way, you know? Yep. Um, and then I'm stoked with my, uh, my channel and social media. I mean, I, I'm a peon, but I've been like getting little checks here and there from, yeah. you know, Amazon affiliate codes and from Facebook yeah. and stuff, like getting little little checks from posting reels and stuff. Yeah. And so that's been, there's been a little surprise monetization there. Yeah. Yeah. It's really, it's opened up some stuff for people, which is really cool. So all that adds up. How do you not yeah. take it personal? 
when people are like, yeah, we don't want to pay you. Or like, it's not <laughs> worth it. But genuinely, because like, I, it's your business. Right? I take it personally. Yeah, I do I too. Do. I'm like, fuck off, dude. Like, it's not, and it's not about, the thing is, it's like, yeah. it's not about the money, right? It's about what you're offering mm-hmm. in exchange for, like, it's your services. It's almost like somebody doesn't respect your time because I'm in the same boat. Yeah. I'm not going to go to a masseuse it. and be like, hey, massage me for free. Yeah, I need it. Uh, <laughs> help me out. You know what I mean? Like, it's just not, you don't expect it, but yeah. it, it's interesting to see how how that gets taken. And I, I take it personally because I'm like, I would do it for free if it's the right yes. person in the right situation. I have no, zero problem and I'll never think about it again. I won't ask for a dime. But if you're like trying to get something where you're monetizing it, I don't, I never understand why people think that that's like an okay trade. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, they're actually benefiting from, from your work. Yeah. Yeah. Right. That's even the next level. I wasn't even considering. Um, yeah, I do take it personally. Um, that's my initial like reaction, but I have to check myself. I don't ever show that of course. Um, and just realize, okay, I, it's just, this is just a matter of education, you know, and I, I can be kind. Yeah. And educate, you know? Yeah. 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 It's, it, it's tough because like, you know, there's, there's great partners out there that will support you, support the vision and do what you want to do. Like Sierra Nevada, right? Like that, that are great supporters of what, what you want to do and are, and, and understand what the goal is. And then sometimes you get these people, they sound all promising. And then you're like, they're expecting zero invoice at the end of the day. And I'm just like, I don't, I don't understand. And I've found that have, having that conversation first is really important. Yeah. Um, and it's awkward. I don't like talking about money. Yeah. I'm bad at it, yeah. you know, and I wish I could just do stuff for free, yeah. you know. But, yeah, having that conversation first, I'm like, hey, look, here's my normal rate for this stuff. And, and then, you know, if they're surprised, that's one thing. If they're not surprised, that's awesome, yeah. you know. Yeah. Yeah, that's where it goes. On the athlete side? How do you manage sponsors, partners, that kind of thing? Because I think that's the most difficult. And and I know yep. there's a lot of athletes that listen to the show that are like, whether they're aspiring athletes or just starting that journey, mm-hmm. they're just starting to figure it out. Or even ones that have been doing it forever and still haven't figured out like what it is and how other people, because I think being open about that is really important for people that are listening because it's almost been like a hush hush thing for a long time. Yeah. Like no one really talks about what their rates are and, no one understands like how they charge for, like, it, it's been, that's another thing that I think has changed where people are willing to talk about it because it's not, you brought up money before, it sounded douchey. And now it's like you're willing to talk about it because you're sharing information with other people and try to help them and, and understand what the situation is. Yes, I like this question a lot um, because it's very, pract- like, very practical things that we can do yeah. as athletes. Um, or not even as athletes, as, as anyone who's looking to be sponsored in any way. Um, you know, the days of just the direct paid sponsorship, you know, are, are pretty much over, unless you're elite, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I have a very lucky situation with Sierra, they're an awesome company that just wants to support me, you know. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's not very, that's pretty rare. Yeah. You know, um, sponsorships are mostly project based now. Yep. Like if you have to be the one man band, mm-hmm. you know, you have to do it all. Um, like if you can put a deck together for a cool project that you want to do and bring it to a company or numerous companies usually, yep. um, and be able to present it, that's the best way to get sponsored. 
mm-hmm. really. And that's what companies are looking for from yeah. my experience anyways, project-based stuff. They're looking for a plan. A plan, yes. It's like a simple, sometimes it's really as simple as that. And if the plan mm-hmm. doesn't align, cool, it's an easy no, mm-hmm. right? And you understand, like, it's just not what they're trying to do right now. And, and there's fine. other companies out there. I have zero issue with that. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I'll happily put together a deck, and if it doesn't work out, awesome, we'll try again on the next thing. You know, and that's that's part of it. But I think the business side of it, because it's been so murky, it's like you don't even know. When I first started this, I didn't know you needed a deck. Send an email with like <laughs> A, B, C, D. Here's what maybe I can do. And maybe we'll try this. And, and it just doesn't. Yeah. yeah. You need you need a plan. You need a deck. And you need to be like, here's what you get. Here's what I get. Mm-hmm. This is transactional. And here's what it is. Even if it's a passion project, you got to understand like there there's pieces to it. Yep. And I'm a... I'm a different athlete. I'm not a competitive athlete. Mm-hmm. So a competitive athlete is going to be different. They're going to sure. have their race schedule mm-hmm. and, you know, all this stuff, you know, like here's my race schedule. Here's what I need to do that, you know, for my travel expenses and everything like that. Um, for other types of athletes, you know, the adventure type athletes like me, um, like, okay, here's an example. I'm obsessed with orcas. <laughs> I know random, right? Okay. I just, just hit you okay. with that I, I, off the side. I'm freaking obsessed with orcas. That's what my, my guilty pleasures at mm-hmm. night. I watch orca videos and van builds. Sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I, I really, really won't like bucket list item paddle with orcas. Yep. You know? Um, and so I've put a project together of, you know, me going to the Pacific Northwest, San Juan Island chain, and camping for a, for a month in my van on Vancouver Island and mm-hmm. paddling every day, you know, with the hope of eventually getting close. It's, it's, you have to be, to get close to an orca in a kayak is like once in a lifetime, l- crazy lucky thing, yeah. you know, um, it doesn't happen, you mm-hmm. know? So it's like more about quantity, you know, you just gotta be out there all day, every day mm-hmm. and hope it happens. So I've put this, you know, deck together for this project and proposing it to sponsors. Boom. Project sponsored, you know, years of, you know, shopping it around and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. That's got to be super exciting to do something. So exciting. Yeah. Um, Actually went last year up there and total fail. Nothing. Well, nothing, yes, but also so many logistics. Um, You know, I'm not the type of person to do like a lot of pre-research, you know. I kind of learn as I go. And so that's kind of what my trip up there last year was. It was more like active discovery, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, My paddle apparatus, I had this like, got this like inflatable fishing kayak with a seat. Yeah. Fail. Doesn't work for me. Um, Too hard to inflate, too hard to move around. It's like 70 pounds. Yeah. And uh, unrealistically difficult to actually paddle. Um, Ferry system. You have to understand, um, you got to know where the, the orcas are. Yeah. I was in complete wrong areas, like all of the above. Just fail, 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 fail. Yeah. <laughs> it was an awesome trip. I, I mean, I did a lot of awesome paddling, met cool people, yeah. and learned the whole area. Right. Yeah, but you need that. You need to figure it out yeah. before you figure so it out. So now going up again this summer. Sick. Yeah. Well, I hope you find an Sierra Nevada has helped me out. Sick. Yeah. Love that. Look at Sierra Nevada getting all these plugs right now. <laughs> <laughs> And not just because Pat's in the room. Right. So. <laughs> um, yeah, it's, it's really cool. It's funny that people find interest, especially in outdoor sport, like in things that are completely unrelated. In your case, I guess it's a little related, but it, the things that like people gravitate towards are, it, it's always really interesting to me, the things outside of 
like outdoor sports or even how they connect, like what, why it's those things or what makes you attached to those. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. It seems completely random. Yeah. And that's been kind of, um, what I've allowed. I'm glad you said that because I'm, this is also a new thing I'm discovering too, that, um, although it seems random, if I have that thought, if I have that feeling, I can like explore that. It doesn't matter that it's random. You know, there's, there's no rules. Like you said about what you do for work. There's, there's no rules, yeah. you know? And if you're like curious about something, that's a little like signal to check that out. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. It's really cool. It's, it's interesting. I got to figure out how to make some of the weird shit that I'm going to do work as a job or like what's, make the, what's some of the weird shit you're into? i don't know like now it's been, <laughs> it, it changes all the time and i think and it's completely unrelated you know what i mean like lately i've been into like greek mythology and like watching old men on tiktok sell rolexes like it's been like very weird shit that but there's got to be some kind of because i don't i would have never i don't care about watches like but now i've been watching like tiktoks of old jewish men haggle for rolexes on in new york you know what i mean like that's it's, funny though it's it's crazy like it's just completely unrelated never a thing i've been interested in that just comes out of nowhere it just hits You're like okay like what's gonna hit next it's very that stuff is always bizarre to me well you allow give yourself permission to pursue that yeah i don't know <laughs> i don't think i want to make that stuff connect yet but i'll if i find something that's weird and that does connect i'll certainly take advantage of it i think that just might be one of those guilty pleasure th- not it's not a guilty pleasure but just one of those things like for me it's a random <laughs> tiktok scrolling at night to, yeah. to zone out that's yeah. great yeah it's awesome it's yeah. compl- it make it separates me from a lot of the other shit that i do so i love that shit. i love but, tiktok man yeah people hate tiktok a lot of people hate There's a lot to hate about it. Yeah. There is. For um, sure. But, dude, people, like I was, we were talking about in the beginning, like, like, you know, renewing my faith in humanity. Yeah. People are fucking funny. Awesome. They're funny. And creative. Yeah. And I have found it on TikTok. Yeah. Like, people are so freaking funny. They just come out of shit out of Yeah. <laughs> it's, have you seen that girl that makes those, like, she, like, redoes brand logos? No, dude, they're I need to see this awesome. One. She like did redid Windows brand logo or something like that, and she was like, "It doesn't make any sense. There's not enough windows on this thing." So she like just made like in paint drew a window, and like now she's like working with Microsoft and like working with. <laughs> That's they're brilliant. sending her custom design shit. She worked with Fruit by the Foot. She's like, "There's no feet on Fruit by the Foot, so like, why are we not? Why is there not feet on this branding? Like, whoever did this did a terrible job, and it's just it's hilarious. Well, that's you. Thing. That's you. So." I like the middle finger guy. It's the middle finger guy. The like the fuck you guy. No. <laughs> he just finds like random ways to like say fuck you. <laughs> it's so funny. <laughs> it'll it'll be like um, you know, opening up a present yeah, yeah, yeah. or like riding his bike and flip the wheel and flip a spot from oh, side. Oh, I spins. do know that guy. I do know that guy. There's the um and then there's the Midwest guy. That like, um, how do you just, he, he'll like discover like little practical things for life. Oh yeah. And yeah, he's yeah. always like, for fuck's sake. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like some little life hack, like li- little life yeah, hacks yeah. he'll discover. Like that guy's like, people are hilarious. It's awesome. Yeah. There's a lot of benefits. All the Frenchie videos. Yeah. Fr- French bulldog videos. Mm-hmm. I could, I could watch those all day. Oh, yeah. Yeah, my feet is like nothing to do with skiing anymore or nothing to do with biking anymore. Oh, no, nothing to do with mountain biking. It's like one video every hundred is about bikes now. It's it's hilarious. Or like the thing of people are putting microphones up to their little French bulldog's butts. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And then they fart. It scares them. 
it's so great that's awesome yeah there's there's a lot of good there's a lot of good in that stuff right now there's a lot of negative but there's a lot people are funny man and that's what i'm trying to focus on yeah people are funny and extremely creative and brilliant yeah yeah my last thing for you where can people find you where can people find Mm. your channel where can people connect with you more if they want to consult with you if they want to reach out they just want to chat where where do people get you people can find me at the bar at Sierra Nevada Brewing Company. <laughs> As <laughs> drinking, of right now, yeah. Drinking pale ale yeah. off the tap, which is amazing, <laughs> by the way. Um, you know, my Instagram is probably the best, JP McGee. Yep. And there's an H after McGee. Okay. J-P-M-C-G-H-E-E. McGee. McGee. <laughs> <laughs> JP McGee is uh, the best. Um, Theunpavement.org mm. website for more information on the project. Cool. Yeah. It's awesome. YouTube channel. YouTube channel. Okay. Um, YouTube has handles now. Sure does. JP McGee on YouTube. Love that. Yeah. Love that. Awesome. I appreciate the time, man. This has been great. Thank you. You guys are fun. Yeah, of course, man. We're going to ride tomorrow. We're going to ride bikes. Yes. <laughs> All right, cheers.